1: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call eight four 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 code red or visit
2: coderedroofers.com. I've been up most of the night. I sure this I'm not the only person. It sounds like Dan Bongino has been up most of the night himself. I have not had any rest since Pretty much um, early on Saturday morning when I woke up and my telephone, which was on whatever silent mode, had just a ton of alerts that wanted me to go on my WhatsApp to check all kinds of messages that had come from Israel. And of course, obviously I now understand why everyone in Israel was frantically trying to get the word out to people here in the States. Not just friends of mine, but people in the media. People like Carolyn Glick and Jack Tobin. Um, They were trying to get the word out. Because the American people, Jonathan Tobin, the American people, I've already been told a bunch of BS about what's happening. My No Restraint podcast, which I recorded very, very early this morning, really late last night, early this morning, like three o'clock this morning, was my best attempt with the help of many brilliant scholars to tell you exactly how this has happened, why it has happened, and what it means going forward. Because the one thing I can guarantee you is that this is just the beginning and the United States of America is next. And that's not me being hyperbolic, that's just the truth. In a perfect universe, the Israelis would be able to tend to the families of their dead and, and their wounded and they'll get their hostages back unharmed and then they would uh, sign a peace treaty with Saudi Arabia that would counterbalance the Iranian axis of terror and provide the whole region, the whole Middle East with a new uh, hope for the future. But none of that is going to happen because in this part of the world where Israel is located and where it's actually been located for several thousand years, Hamas's killing spree was not a, a, an example of how barbaric human beings can be. No, it was a win. And what they did was they literally shredded the military deterrence that Israel has always been famous for. Millions of people who live in the Arab world and other Middle Easterners who are stuck in countries who have you know these oppressive, tyrannical rulers in control of their lives, oppressive regimes where they, they, they don't have a ray of hope for the future this morning, or actually it was morning, they woke up with hope for the first time that Israel can and will be destroyed. And if you don't think that that's true, then you weren't watching the same things I was watching, the marches and the celebrations and the uh, the despicable cheering that was going on for the gruesome, horrific murders of innocent civilians. There wasn't even a pretense at only going after the military. So so who's at war, and with who are they at war with? Because I can tell you right now, we're at war. Israel has to do what it has to do, and they are striking back, and they will continue to strike back. But I'm going to tell you, they're striking against Iran not just Hamas, not just Hezbollah. They're striking back against a major virtually nuclear power in the form of Iran, who, by the way, has been empowered by us, by the United States of America. And don't listen to all this crap. Well, not a penny has been spent of the money that Joe Biden freed up for Iran. None of that is going to be spent on terrorism. It already has been spent on terrorism. I don't have to give you another description, you've heard it over and over again for the last 48 hours, fungible money. If you know that you're gonna get a big windfall next week, you spend every cent you have in your pocket today on whatever you wanna spend it on. And in this case, they wanted to spend it on killing Jews and that's exactly what they did. But what happens now? You know, where do we go from here? That's the question. Do we watch Israel strike maybe on uh, Iran's oil fields or maybe strike on their nuclear program or maybe even, you know, strike at the regime? It would be a good thing for Israel. It'd be a great thing for the whole region, actually. But since those would effectively be strikes against what's going on in that region at any given moment, it'd be a strike that puts Israel in direct conflict with the United States. That is a very big risk for a traumatized country like Israel is right now to take on and to even conceivably handle. Israel could strike Iran's most valuable strategic ally, which of course is Hezbollah. That's the terrorist group that's currently lobbing rockets in from Lebanon. But, We're not sure how much involvement Hezbollah is going to have in the final analysis. So we can't do it yet. They can't do it yet. And then you have Israel in a two-front war with a much more powerful opponent than Hamas. Hezbollah has way more money, way more clout in the region. So Israel's got to go into Gaza. 150 hostages are in there. About two dozen of whom may very well be Americans. That means whatever Israel does is probably going to be as stupid and pointless as everything they've done in previous wars in Gaza, which is to always leave Hamas in charge of Gaza. Nothing worked, but they'll do it again. Let me ask you a question. For those of you who are biblical scholars, or at least have read the Bible, Over and over again, God told the Jews, when you win the battle, leave nobody alive. Because if you leave them alive, they will come back. And the Jews never did that. And over and over again, the Jews were subjected to attack after attack after attack. How many years in diaspora over and over and over again. I thought we were all screaming, never again after the Holocaust. Well, guess what? Never again happened this weekend. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with people like AOC and the squad about whether or not ordinary Palestinian people suffer under uh, any of Hamas's stupid rules. But that doesn't give you a reason or an excuse to murder grandmothers and then... Upload their dead bodies onto their own Facebook pages for their family to see and massacring people at a music festival. These are not the actions taken by people looking to build or people looking to fight for a thriving society. Anyone insisting on asking that question on this weekend when more than 700, maybe more than 900 non combatants were murdered, women were raped, babies were kidnapped? You're an idiot. And you have a market inability to acknowledge the suffering of others. Or maybe it's just Jews you can't tolerate or, or worry about. I'm going to say this to my friends, what's left of my friends, who want to tell me that I need to stop supporting Donald Trump. Is there anybody, anybody in this listening audience who thinks that this would have happened if Donald Trump and not had an election stolen from him? Is there anybody in my listening audience who doesn't wish that Donald Trump was the president today? Anybody? And if there is, you know, turn your radio off because you're too stupid to listen to this show. I'm in a very foul mood and I have a number of guests that I have to talk to today. So I'm gonna try to pull my act together during this break. First, I'm going to be talking with a state representative here in Florida who has uh, uh, Waldron. Her name is uh, Catherine Waldron from District 93, who drafted a resolution condemning the unprovoked attacks. So I'm going to talk to her in just a moment. And then Dinesh D'Souza has been scheduled on my show for quite some time. I want to talk about his movie, The Police State, along with Dan Bongino. But I'm sure he'll also want to talk about what's happening right now. And if anybody out there for one minute, one minute, one minute thinks I'm going to tolerate any kind of moral relativism about this, you can put your, turn the radio off. I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. So as if it uh, couldn't get any worse, Hamas has now uh, announced that they will begin executing the hostages on video so that everybody will have an opportunity to see the barbaric, despicable acts of a group of terrorists who basically the United States of America has helped to fund. Uh, Right now, I'm going to be speaking with State Representative uh ward catherine waldron and she is representing the district 93 here in florida and she drafted a resolution over the weekend which is very interesting so i'm going to allow her to come on right now and tell us a little bit about this first and foremost let me thank you for doing this
0: well thank you and uh it's great to be on your show
2: all right what what made you, you know, act so quickly? Because I got congressmen up in Washington who don't act as quickly as state legislators in, you know, in Tallahassee.
0: <laughs> well, you know, like a lot of us, we were watching it. Uh, we were all horrified by what was going on. I guess it was early Saturday morning our time. And it was just atrocious. And... um I have to give a shout out to my legislative aide, uh, Spencer Goidel, who, uh, you know, we spoke Saturday morning and we moved forward to, to write it because we just thought that it needed, we needed to stand with Israel and mm-hmm. to uh, put forth a resolution uh, asking the state to, to stand with Israel while, you know, during this horrific uh, Hamas attack, terrorist attack on innocent uh, mm-hmm. people. Um, And it's only gotten worse, as you mentioned just now. uh, They've just announced they're going to start executing their captives on Mm -hmm. live TV. Um, So, you know, everybody should be condemning this.
2: Absolutely. It's horrific. But, you know, the problem is that we also have to assume some responsibility for this. I mean, we just traded um, for hostages recently and gave money to Iran which basically sends a clear symbol signal to everybody in the Middle East, if you capture a few people, and in particular if you can capture a few Americans, don't worry, you'll get big bucks and uh, you'll get release of your own prisoners who have probably committed heinous crimes. You know, I don't think you're going to have trouble in the House in, in Florida, and I certainly think the governor is going to be behind this, but why aren't I seeing this happening all over the country? That's my question. Well, I would
0: hope we will see it all across the country, and I'm, I'm an optimist, so I'm going to hold out hope that that's what happens. I could say that as far as Florida is concerned, we as um, uh, our state has the second most highest Jewish population in the country. And, you know, there are a lot of people here who have friends and relatives over there. My daughter was just over there a month ago on business. And it, you know, it really hits home to a lot of people. And I think we need to stand up against terrorist activities
2: mm-hmm. like this.
0: And um, I, you know, I think the whole world should be condemning it. Actually. So.
2: And what's so fascinating to me is that, you know, I've been, I, this isn't one of those moments where I feel comfortable saying "I told you so," but I told you so. Not you, but I've told the American politicians that I talk to all the time, that we have an open Southern border, much like the Southern border of Israel was just invaded, we're being invaded on a daily basis. And does anybody really believe that with millions of people coming across this border, some of them don't have bad intentions, some of them may not be the same kind of terrorists that we see in Israel right now? Is America ready for uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat in the streets? Because that could be coming. Well, I'm an optimist again, so I'm not going to
0: say I agree with that, but um, I think we have to take all borders very seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I do see that there's a lot of, uh, some some of the pushback is that, well, you know, they they put up the border between Gaza and and Israel, but let's not forget that Egypt has that up too. And when you're, when you have a the Hamas saying, you know, death to Israel, I think I probably want to put up a border myself as well. Mm-hmm. So I just think we just need to be, come down very hard on terrorists. And I think we need to also protect uh, our country and our friendly, other friendly countries against this, these type of things.
2: Yeah, well, and I think this is and, just the beginning of a horrendous A period of time in the history of Israel and and therefore in the history of every democracy in the world. And uh, and I'm just hoping that the media will give some fair representation about this because it's already begun. We're already seeing Israel being blamed by the United Nations this morning.
0: Well, yes. Uh, Fortunately, this resolution was actually filed formally, and it does have—I'm a Democrat, but I can tell you that uh, there's a lot of support on both sides up in Tallahassee for this. And, um, you know, the the Speaker has been very supportive of this issue, so hopefully Florida can take the lead and other states uh, uh, and other countries can take the lead in what we're, we're trying to do, which is to stand for Israel and condemn these attacks.
2: Well, thank you so much, Representative Waldron. I appreciate your stepping forward on this, particularly since I don't think it's probably the most uh, you know, uh, easy thing for somebody who is a member of the minority party to put forward any resolution and hope to get it through. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you did well, the right thing.
0: Well, thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure
2: uh, being on your show. All right. Thank you so much. All right. And I can tell you right now, if anybody out there for one minute thinks that, uh, you know, I don't believe there'll be bipartisan support for this. Of course, there will be. You know, the the Democrat Party' is always good at saying, like, well, we support Israel when Jews are being slaughtered. Yeah, you know, it's when they're not being slaughtered, but the threat looms that the Democrats don't say anything. and And I'm just I've had it. I have so had it with all of these weaklings in both parties who really want to apply some sort of moral relativism to this, as though what went on in the last 72 hours, which we saw, okay, and now apparently we're going to see even more, right? Now they're going to start shooting film as they slaughter hostages, okay? But if you saw any of the film that was sent over from people's cell phones, I have a friend who's in Sederach. And the first day, I panicked, because I know, I said, you know, he's like the kind of person who'll run out and start, you know, trying to save everybody. And I was terrified. You know, I didn't hear from him. His Facebook page was dark, not dark, but it, there was no action on it. And then I finally did get to hear. And what he reported from the ground and what I've heard reported by other people to me is beyond the nightmare, You're talking about civilians who find themselves on the front line being raped and murdered, their children being yanked out of their arms and kidnapped. Does anybody out there think that that there's some kind of moral relativism that is going to find a home in, in this show or any other show with a person who has a brain behind the microphone? All the anti-Semitism that I've seen on Instagram, coming out of the the group of uh, lunatics on Capitol Hill, coming out of protests all around this country and all around the world, of people defending the terrorists. I'm going to say it one more time. If any of you out there thinks for one moment that this would happen, with Donald Trump in the White House, or that Donald Trump's return to the White House won't put an end to a lot of this, you just, you're just stupid. That's all. You're just stupid. And I can't help you. You just hate. That's all. You don't even know why you hate. You just hate. See, I don't hate until someone hurts the people I love whether that's the nation of Israel or American citizens or any other people, Christians in Nigeria, when you start hurting innocent people, that's when I hate. That's when I hate. And I just, I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I made uh, you know, this No Restraint podcast with a lot of help from you know great writers all over the internet. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, You need to listen to it because you need to be prepared to answer questions and you need to get behind Donald Trump. That's all. Because the idea that one of the most, and I'll tell you what I said and what I think is so, so important for you to understand. The idea that you can protect anything, whether it's a southern border or it's a nation, with high-tech equipment has now been just trashed. You need boots on the ground. And right now, they've just called up all the reserves in Israel. And if you don't want to see that happen here, we better get behind Israel. We better make it a powerful statement that we stand with Israel. All right, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I'm hopefully going to be talking with Dinesh D'Souza. I'm a little, uh, I'm not doing very well. I haven't had any sleep and I'm very, very angry. I keep thinking about that video that I did years ago about the seven reasons we should defend Israel. And all I keep thinking to myself is like, nobody ever seems to learn that, that, that they're always going to be the targets. And we can't be weak about the support for them right now. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, and uh, welcome back. I, I messed up last week. I was supposed to have uh, Dinesh D'Souza on to talk about his new movie, and uh, I messed up the date. So I first and foremost have to apologize, Dinesh, but things just move so quickly, and today, of course, your buddy Dan Bongino and I are nearly beside ourselves with what's been going on in Israel. So you'll forgive me if I'm just uh, all over the place today. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing uh, just fine and no worries about last week. And, uh, you know, I think we are all uh, focused entirely on this absolutely catastrophic um, and uh, horrible attack and the need to uh, the need for, it, for this kind of thing to be permanently stopped.
2: Mm hmm. And, you know, there's a whole biblical aspect to this, which I was talking about earlier in the show. You know, if you don't wipe out your enemy, in the Bible, the, the Jews were told over and over again, you can't leave your enemy uh, to reconstruct itself, and yet they do it over and over again. And I'm just, I'm, I'm prayerful that this time they'll be able to do it differently, and um, You know, I'm not
1: sure if the reason for that is just a, uh, you know, partly a humanitarian sentiment, if it's partly the divided nature of Israeli politics. I think you know as well as I do, it's divided over there, just as politically we're divided over here, Mm -hmm. and therefore there isn't a sort of a single mind about this. I don't know if it's fear of the so-called international community or the media, but you're right, for whatever reason, Israel has not taken these steps. And so there's a, there's a disproportion of ruthlessness here. I mean, and so the the audacity, the scale of this operation mounted by Hamas, uh, provoked and and sort of driven by Iran, very scary for us and for the world.
2: Absolutely. And that's why, in a way, I was thinking, you know, I couldn't sleep last night, and I was thinking about you, the trailer that I saw of the movie, um, where you make a very compelling case for a police state in my own country, a place I always considered the free world. And, and yet all of the efforts by this police state are not at the southern border trying to figure out who's coming across that border. They're not at the polls where elections are being stolen right from under our eyes. They're against me as a parent if I go to a school board meeting. That's scary. This,
1: yeah, this is a key point, Joyce, because think about it this way. The intelligence agencies of the government have come before the Congress and said our priority is domestic extremism and white supremacy and domestic terrorism. They're focusing on, you know, a 68 year old grandmother who sort of wandered into the Capitol on January 6th. They're not focused on Islamic terrorists abroad who do, want to do us harm, want to do our allies harm. And so it doesn't surprise me entirely that the intelligence agencies had no idea this was coming. I don't know if you saw the video of, of um, uh, Jake Sullivan uh, mm. just from last week. He says the Middle East is the quietest that it's been in decades. So clearly that guy had no idea this was coming.
2: Exactly. And obviously neither did the the, the IDF because they look totally unprepared, and, and that's stunning. Uh, but it also tells us something that you can no longer depend on sort of cyber protection, because you have to have intelligence on the ground. And our problem in America is that all the uh, intelligence is aimed at me.
1: Right. I mean, think about all the young uh, fighting age men who come across the border every single day by the hundreds, by the thousands. If Hamas wanted to send a thousand uh, military men into the United States. Would it be that hard to do over a period of, let's just say that over the period of the Biden years? No, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And look at the havoc that that group of people, a thousand people infiltrating into Israel, was able to cause. We might very well be dealing with some of that here. And then I think what gets me also is the the rationalizations, the excuses. I mean the. Biden administration turns over six billion dollars to iran and now they're saying well you know you can't say that we helped to subsidize this because you can't prove that the exact same dollar bills that we transferred into the bank account were used for this particular terrorist act as if the iranians couldn't basically say we got the money coming we'll spend our own money and then just replenish our coffers
2: right this from the same government who says that if your credit card was used in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, you are complicit in an insurrection that never happened. I mean, it's crazy.
1: When you mentioned, you know, the the police state and, of course, the film that I'm very excited about, it shows that the film depicts the way in which so many ingredients of a police state. I mean, if we think about North Korea or China, Iran— Um, the old Soviet Union. What did they have? I mean, what's the defining features of their police state? Well, they had mass surveillance. They had systematic censorship. They had mass indoctrination in the schools and in the media. They were one party states where they sometimes would allow a rival party or even elections, but they never allowed an effective opposition. The opposition had to sort of be subordinate to the regime. They have political prisoners, And so I look around now and realize with a certain shock and horror that all these elements that define a police state are now manifestly present in the United States.
2: Absolutely. And then you have the uh, former uh, Democratic nominee for the presidency against Donald Trump in 2016 calling for re-education of Trump supporters. That would include me.
1: I mean, think about that. I mean, what does she even mean by that? I think I know what she means. You know, if you think back to what happened in Waco in the 1990s, what happened is that the American public largely cheered that. Some of those scenes were so horrific, you know, burning buildings and women and children inside. But the American people were told, well, you know, don't worry about it. Those people are nuts. They're kooks. They're freaks. They're extremists. They're outside the mainstream. They're not like you. I think this is really what Hillary Clinton was doing. She's trying to sort of dehumanize the Trump supporters, and dehumanization, very sadly, we know from history, is often a prelude to being targeted, to being ostracized, to being incarcerated, in some cases, even being exterminated.
2: Yeah. Look, I watch them. Now, you don't even have to say a prayer out loud in front of an abortion clinic. You could be praying silently, and you could be arrested just for your political ideology, which, by the way, you and I and your daughter share. Life is life. (laughs)
1: No, that, that's right. I mean, I think what's what's really scary is all of this stuff is happening, and it's happening in a way that the ordinary American is really not aware. In fact, I've run into people who go, well, I'm not Trump, you know, and I didn't go in the Capitol on January 6th. So you know, I pay my taxes, I'm a law-abiding guy, so I have nothing to worry about. The FBI will never smash down my door. And my film is aimed at convincing that guy you could not be more wrong. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I almost
1: feel, Joyce, like I'm, you know, one of those animals in the herd that has seen a movement in the trees and knows that there's danger right here, but so many of the other animals are grazing, feeling like, no, no, it's got to be the wind, Dinesh. It's nothing to worry about. So the movie, in that sense, is a kind of a warning. Mm
2: -hmm. And obviously, look, um, I I hate to make everything political, but this is really political. I have never in my life seen a party that has literally successfully weaponized law enforcement the way the Democrats have, and it's not going away anytime soon. I don't care who wins the next election. They're so deep in that deep state that I don't know if you could undo, I don't know if you could put the genie back in the bottle, in it.
1: Well, that's because you're right, and I think the reason for that is it goes beyond the police agencies of the government even. Think Mm -hmm. about censorship. You know, typically what happens is you have academics compiling long lists of people, probably including you and me, that -hmm. they want to have banned. Then the Biden regime takes these lists and shops them around to these non-profit groups like the Stanford Internet Observatory, the Virality Project. Then these non-profit groups act as a kind of go-between. They hand over the list to the digital platforms and say, ban these guys. That way the government can be sort of hands-off. Well, we didn't give them the list. Mm. So look at the octopus of censorship. It stretches across academia, uh, the non-profit sector, the digital platforms, the government. And then there's the media standing around and cheering.
2: Mm. Well, look, I, I mean, you of all people have had plenty of experience with this, and uh, I, I'm, I'm still horrified when I think about the fact that you actually had to be pardoned by the president of the United States for basically just sounding an alarm earlier. So uh, do you get nervous when you're doing this now? This police state is going to come after you, Dinesh. You know that.
1: Well, I mean, a little part of me is nervous. Another part of me says that, you know, with police states, you have a window of time before the jaws of the police state snap shut. Once Mm. the jaws of the police state are shut, I can't make a movie like this. In fact, there's very little that you can do at that point except to try and run. So I don't want us to get to that point. This is a really powerful movie. I think uh, intellectually, emotionally, the strongest I've done yet. And we have bought out hundreds of theaters, Joyce on two days, October 23rd and 25th. And so go to the theater. The the tickets can be uh, gotten from the website, which is Mm policestatefilm.net. And we're also having a virtual premiere on the 27th, uh, Friday, October 27th. So if you can't make it to the theater, you can watch from the comfort of your home reading of the whole movie and then a live Q&A to follow with Dan Bongino and me.
2: Yeah, no, Dan was I, I was in the studio with him just uh, a week and a half ago and he said, "Joyce, get your, get to this theater. You got to see this." And I, you know, I, I trust him. He said there is so much factual information that you will be stunned and sh- shocked. But, you know, Dinesh, I'm not shocked anymore. I don't think you are either. It's the worst-case scenario every single day.
1: Well, it is. But I think what the movie can do is you and I can talk about this and then people people because America has had such an innocent sort of history in the sense that we've never experienced anything like this, like a police state. Mm -hmm. So you have Eastern Europeans who say, I've seen it in Poland. I've seen it in the Czech Republic. You know, I've seen it in China. And I've seen it in North Korea. But Americans go, well, it can't really happen here. And so the best that a movie can do is is bring you not just intellectually but emotionally up close, show you Mm -hmm. the hot breath of the police state on your face. Mm
2: -hmm. And when
1: you do that, hopefully some people will wake up.
2: Yeah, thank goodness. Here in Miami, we've had the Cubans who have made it perfectly clear to us that this could happen to anybody. Thanks so much, Dinesh. I'm getting my tickets right now. As we speak, I'm on the website. Thanks for your time today.
1: That is awesome. Thank you so much.
2: All right, you take care. All right. Let me take a break. Don't forget coming up after me, Eric Erickson. And after that, it will be the nighttime guys, Joe Paggs and Lars Larson. Everybody's on fire today. You don't want to miss any talk radio today because most of us are incensed with what we had to endure watching over the weekend. And it's going to be a long slog through this. And if you think for one minute For one minute, that I'm going to tolerate any of this moral relativism crap that the mainstream media is throwing at me and throwing at you, you got another thing coming. I'm going to fight back. We got so many fights taking place on so many different fronts, but that's okay. Because I got the full armor on. I'll be right back. So I, I really feel compelled to be explicit in everything I say today, because If you've seen the images coming out of Israel, I know you don't want to believe they're real because they're horrifying. Some of the most gruesome scenes of mutilation and murder and abduction imaginable. But you need to understand that within two or three days, the media narrative is gonna change. It always does. And this grisly invasion with all these barbaric acts will be minimized. And you'll just get a half a sentence of some euphemistic dishonesty. An incursion by Gaza-based militants. And then the focus will be on prosecuting Israel. And that, that is why you need to know. And you need to see the images. The ones you won't see if the only thing you watch is MSNBC or, or the BBC today. All of the media and all of Western policy officials They don't wanna embarrass the Palestinians by showing just how sadistic and how brutal Hamas is. You see, they don't wanna undermine the effort that's coming to pressure Israel to stop fighting. They don't want people to notice that Iran played a role in this war. They don't want people to know how it is fueled by an appallingly dangerous Biden administration and their policy towards the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism, Iran. And that's why you need to know that when Hamas invaded Israel, terrorists streamed across the border in pickup trucks, by motorcycle, on foot, even on paragliders. My husband thought I was making that up. And once they were inside Israel, they abducted and murdered Israelis. They shot people in their cars and at bus stops. They rounded up women and children into rooms and then they machine gunned them. They went house to house to find and murder civilians who were hiding in their closets and they dragged the blood, bloody dead bodies of Israelis back into Gaza where they're now being paraded and beaten and mutilated in front of crowds that are cheering and throwing candy in the air. One young woman was murdered and stripped to her underwear and her corpse was thrown in the back of a pickup truck so it could be paraded around Gaza while young Hamas men beat and mutilated her body. She wasn't even an Israeli. She was a German tourist who was there for a music festival. Hamas terrorists attacked the music festival in the desert. Young people, dozens were killed and injured, and a lot of them are still missing. Young Israelis running for their lives. Israeli towns and kibbutzim near the Gaza border turned into the, the kind of scenes that you saw of ISIS in Syria. Gangs of terrorists riding through the streets in pickup trucks, shooting anything that moved. And then there are the Israelis who've been abducted and taken to Gaza as hostages. How many of them dead and alive are there? They don't know. We don't know. But if the number of appalling videos and heartbreaking social media posts from people looking for missing family members are anything to go by, the figure is without precedent in Israeli history. These images are repulsive. But you have to see them and you have to understand them in order to comprehend what is coming next. Because I'm far from Israel right now. But I've been there in the last year. And I can tell you that what's going on there right now is as different from what I ever saw, as different as the coal bombing was from 9-11. This really is Israel's 9-11. I feel strange to say this about a country where terrorist attacks are a regular feature of national life. You don't want to over-Americanize events in the Middle East, but really, that's the only analogy I can come up with. Because just as in pre-9-11 America, Israel has been consumed by domestic controversies. That's right, and we're going through that here as well. The whole world watches while we have no Speaker of the House. The whole world watched as Benjamin Netanyahu couldn't come to a coalition government in his country. And guess what? The bad actors, they take advantage of this. So if, if, if national humiliation is your game, you're living through it right now. So my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. I'm going to have uh, Jonathan Tobin on with me to talk about it from the Israeli perspective. If it be his will and he delays his coming, may God bless Israel, may God protect Israel, and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.